Please don't put that in the show. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 93. I'm CJ Schrader and with me as always, my two co-conspirators. Strong start. First off, Jess Dunce. Hey, how's it going? Co-conspirators, not con-conspirators. Also, Brian Prillman. Hello. Actually, I've got nothing conspiratorial to say. The word co, like it's probably already in there. Probably conspirator is fine. My two conspirators. Co-conspirators? Co-co-co-conspirators? Co-co? Yes. For the most oblivious play or listeners we might have, uh, this is a show about conspiracy. Hey. We have, <laughs> so enthusiastic. We have the new uh, FAQ out. And normally we do not cover um, these supplemental products because I don't know who cares. But this one is really weird. It's usually like a commander deck. like Yeah, it's usually like, oh, some new commander cards. Cool. I mean, did we do Modern Masters? We did pretty sure we did something for we Modern We did the Masters. mechanics in Modern Masters. Mechanics yeah. in Modern Masters. So like when it's a whole set, we've done it. When it's just like, you know, here's an event deck. Yeah. We're like, eh, can't fill an episode with that. But people are getting like, there's a lot of questions that are being generated on this on this thing, and we don't really know what the shelf life or conspiracy is going to be. So we're going to jump on that bandwagon, and we are also going to talk about conspiracy. Dun dun dun. Right. So conspiracy is a uh, it's a multiplayer draft set. That's what they're pitching it as. Um, so it has, I don't remember how many uh, cards total. I want to say it's 215 or so, and 80 of those cards are new. Um, what that means is, A, we're not covering the old cards. You guys can go to Gatherer right now and just look them up if you have a question on them. Uh, I wanted to, but CJ stifled that idea. <laughs> oh. I was brainstorming about it, and... And? Just, uh, just okay. <laughs> See, I can't do this very long because Brian will put a stop to it. it it's... He's not down with the puns. <laughs> I love a good pun. I really thought you were going to throw another card in there. I would have been so proud. Like if you just had another one right hey, there. Here, here's a here's a here's a thing. What's the difference between conspiracy and conspiracy? An M. There's no F and M. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that segues into a question that we've been getting a whole lot, which is, I want to run the conspiracy draft for F and M. Can I, guys? No. No. So, no. so the answer to that is actually twofold. You are you you should absolutely if you want to do it or your players want to do it if you're at a store, you should absolutely run a draft for conspiracy. And if it's on Friday night, great. But it can't be your your FNM titled event, and you can't give out FNM promos for it. Can we? There's no FNM. Like what? Wow. There's no FNM. No, I get the joke, but wow. Did you, did you prepare that? Like, yes. like, was it noon today? And you're like, oh, I got it. Actually, someone asked me today. It was like, hey, can I draft? Can I draft this in my FNM? And I was like, no. And then it just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happened there. My actual answer was literally, what's the difference between conspiracy and conspiracy? <laughs> There's no evidence. All right. So conspiracy is meant to be drafted. Uh, they recommend that it, you have an eight-player draft, and then you split into two four-player pods. But obviously, you don't always have exactly eight people, but just try to get as close to that as, as you can. Uh, they recommend not having bigger than, say, five players in a pod or more than ten players in the draft, things like that. All of the conspiracy cards are legacy legal. Um, as we mentioned 
only 80 of them are new in the first place, except 13 of them. And that's the 13 with the new card type conspiracy. We will cover those a little yes. bit later. But they are like banned. Like an Estrad reference there. So all conspiracies <laughs> are legal except for conspiracies. Yes, all conspiracy cards are legal except for the conspiracy cards. I think and I legacy. said it more clearly to you than you. Yes. yes. So no, no, I was, I was. What you said was all conspiracy cards are legal, and then blah 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 blah. It's, anyway, you're anyway, tired. You're, you're tired. You're, you're tired. Um, so, <laughs> no, I did forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some what are some unique things about multiplayer? Uh, since it is a multiplayer format, meaning you're going to be playing against probably three other people, uh, you do get a free mulligan in those multiplayer formats. And also going first has a little bit more advantages because you always get to draw. Um, you don't skip a draw like you do in a one-on-one duel. Yeah, because you got three other opponents, the advantage of going first is kind of bleh. Or it's not it's not worth the card you gotta give up. So, right. Boom. Um, also, uh, one interesting uh, for player death, how to handle player death in multiplayer. Um, so everything you own that when you die, everything you own leaves the game and all control effects end. So there's things happen in order. So everything you own is gone. All control effects you have end. So if you've controlled something, you give it back. That effect ends. You give it back to the person. Okay. Any copies of anything that you have on the stack go poof. That's a technical term somewhere oh. in the appendix. Yeah, it's in the appendix of the CR. Poof. Okay. I'll look it up. Um, sure. Um, and, then, and then still control anything? Because remember, the first thing we did is everything you own went away. At the end, if you still control anything, it's gone. It's 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 put in exile. Like if I bribery one of your creatures in just a normal multiplayer game. Okay, I control it. I don't own it. When I die, you don't get that creature. It goes to exile. So there you go. Player death in a nutshell. Nice. Yay. So what's new? What's new about this yeah. conspiracy thing? I figured we'd dive right into the uh, the mechanics of the set. So the first one is Dethrone, which is a pretty cool ability because this is how basically me and my friends play EDH because we're unoffensive, I guess. But Dethrone uh, means basically whenever it's an ability on creatures, obviously, whenever this creature attacks the player with the most life or tied for the most life, put a plus one plus one counter on it. So basically it is incentivizing you to attack uh, the whoever has the most life total to even things out. Pretty cool mechanic. However, if you have the life highest life total, it will never trigger because you have the highest highest life total. It doesn't say whenever you know it attacks the opponent with the most life. So that's bad. It's uh, not always good to be king, I guess. It, no. It's it's weird. Dethrone's kind of a weird mechanic because if you're winning, then the cards aren't as good. Yeah, they do maybe nothing. Um, it doesn't trigger when you attack planeswalkers. I guess planeswalkers also can't be king or queen. And when you attack with that creature, a triggered ability will go on the stack, changing the opponent's life total. Like, say, the opponent's at 20, you're at 10, you attack the opponent. Um, changing the opponent's life total at that point, knocking them down to 9 somehow, won't make you not get the counter on that creature. I mean, once that ability's on the stack, it's going to resolve and put a counter on, on that bro. Or broet. Or broet. Bra? Bra. Bra. Man, oh. <laughs> oh, bad. All right. So then uh, there's another, uh, we'll call it abili- ability word um, or a, a new keyword action called voting that goes with the new ability word, will of the council. So basically, you and your three other opponents, 
you get to have this little vote session where you play a card uh, such as Plea for Power, and it has Will of the Council. And what that means is, uh, starting with you, each player votes for A or B, okay? Um, if A gets more votes, you get to do something. If B gets more votes or is tied for the most votes, B happens. So in Plea for Power, it's you vote for time or knowledge. And you, you go around and you go, I vote time, I vote knowledge, I vote time, I vote knowledge. So in that case, we've got a 2-2, uh, we've got a tie. It says if time gets more votes, take an extra turn after this one. Time did not get more votes. If knowledge gets more votes or is tied, draw three cards. So I can draw three cards. Yeah. Uh, the voting is done in turn order. Um, you've got to vote for one of the options. It says vote for time or knowledge. You can't vote for pudding or abstain or abstain. You gotta you gotta do the vote. Um, I expect that to be like the number one question I get this weekend about this. Can you abstain? It's, can I abstain from voting? Yeah, I mean, because this this is obviously a much more political set than anything else. Um, so yeah. Like, Which it's, it seems really it seems really weird because all you have to do is get one other person to vote with you. Well, not, I guess not really, because from the tie for the tie standpoint. I mean, but in this case, plea for power. I mean, either one of these things is pretty good. An extra turn or three cards, but you're probably going to get the the tie thing more often. Yeah. Um, just because of the tie. Um, let's see here. You take your votes in turn order. Some cards or one card specifically lets you get an extra vote. Um, you take that immediately. Uh, the two votes don't have to be for the same thing. <laughs> you can vote for time and knowledge. Um, if for whatever reason, I think I, I think I read, if for whatever reason, if there's three options and it's like, you know, the votes are like three, one, and one, uh, that's not a tie. The thing that got three votes won. Right. So it's the highest. The highest thing is what you look at. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's plea for power. All of the cards have you vote for something or something else, and then they have two effects. And that's, that's it. Yeah, and the card that lets you have an additional vote is Brago's representative. Hey, it's the next card in the list. Oh, interesting. It's almost like <laughs> you planned that. Yeah. And it's Bra also almost like I didn't scroll down when I was talking about the card. Weird, That's huh? more likely. <clears throat> so Brago's representative reminds me of those... Trade Federation guys from Star Wars, uh, when you look at the art. <laughs> and uh, it says, while voting, you get an additional vote. So what you do with this card is you take it with you on election day. Yeah. And you get to vote for the president or the senator or whatever twice. Or you could just vote for each and be like, hey. Yeah, you could vote for, for, for one of each and, and feel comfortable. All right, and, I did it. I'm done talking about this card. And you just be like, don't blame me. I voted for the other guy. And then you just ride that wave to the top. Okay, so there, there are two things about this card that affect gameplay. Uh, one is uh, that we haven't already mentioned. And one is that you, if you have more than one of these, you do they do stack. You're going to get three votes if you have two and, and four votes if you have three, etc. And these only affect cards that specifically say vote. So there might be some cards in, in other formats that don't think there are any conspiracy, but there might be cards in other formats that say something like, each player chooses a thing but doesn't use the word vote. This doesn't count for that. Yeah. So is Brago's representative, it kind of makes me think of that dude from uh, Ghostbusters 2. Ego? Uh, yeah, the the guy that he, like, mind-controlled that, like, stole the baby oh. and stuff. 
That was that was Brago's representative, right? Yeah, that was Vigo's representative. Vigo was the oh. guy in the painting. Oh, Vigo Brago. If if my wife was in here, she would know the name of that guy, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Sorry. Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. Born fifteen oh five, died sixteen ten. <laughs> shot, beheaded, hung. Yep. Uh, ah, here poisoned. we go. He didn't die of old age. He was poisoned, stabbed, shot, hung, stretched, disemboweled, drawn, <laughs> and quartered. Rasputin we're talking about? Vigo the Cruel, Vigo the Torturer, Vigo the Despised, Vigo the Unholy. So I'll grab these next two because they're kind of they're, they're kind of related or one leads into the other. Uh, so the first one's Council's Judgment, which is another will of the Council. Starting with you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control. Exile each permanent with the most votes or tied for most votes. Uh, so a couple things about this is like for one for one issue, say everybody votes for a different permanent. Well, then they're all tied. So they're all going to get exiled. Um, but the main thing about this card is it does not target. And you'll see this with a few of the vote cards. We're not talking about all of them, but if you just look at them, most of them do not target anything at all. Uh, the vote, the act of voting is not targeting. So you can choose, you know, a card that has protection from white or protection from sorceries when you're doing council's judgment. Uh, so keep that card in mind while we talk about Grudge Keeper, who also interacts with voting. He says, whenever players finish voting, each opponent who voted for a choice you didn't vote for loses two life. This is a weird guy, uh, but he triggers when players finish voting, not when the ability that had voting finishes resolving. Uh, why does that matter? Because, it, say, the uh, the vote ability were to exile Grudge Keeper, perhaps through a council's judgment. Grudge Keeper would still trigger, because he triggers the moment the vote ends before the actual exiling happens. So we're good. Uh, if an opponent has multiple votes and more than one are against you, he still that opponent will still only lose two life because this uh, just triggers once upon players finishing voting and it just looks at each opponent who voted differently than you. It doesn't care that they voted differently than you twice. And if you get in a situation where you have two votes, only the players who voted for none of the options you voted for will lose two life. Oh, so if you voted to the one way and the other way? Then... Yeah, so if you voted knowledge and power this guy would not make anyone lose or what is it knowledge and time time whatever whatever Andy. knowledge and take an extra turn um <laughs> that no one would lose two life but so I, I like the way this actually works in single player too i mean it can work the, so I'm, I'm curious to see if there's anything there with the uh getting an additional vote so that means in in i, I love that we call it single player um that means Duels. that you will always win the vote and i'm, I'm wondering if there's anything there you mean for legacy? Unlikely. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe Commander. Maybe, but then you only have one Bragos representative. It's not like there's other cards that do that. Right, exactly. So, you know, if a voting deck ever becomes a thing, this could be like a sideboard card. <laughs> okay. Man, I, I was going to play the vote deck in F&M or for, for legacy. You can't do legacy F&M for, for my weekly legacy tournament. But but so much Bragos representative hate. It's really... It's unbearable. All right. Well, now I'm looking to see if there's any cards that are actually costed to do. Boy, the word vote sure does appear a whole lot. It's like 87 times, I think. Uh, 78. Oh, yeah. I had it backwards. Oh. Somebody oh, did that search so before. <laughs> well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Oh, so many. Just why okay. don't you talk about the other ability while he's looking up votes? Or did you find I, one, Brian? I quit. Okay, good. I vote for quit or stop. Stop. So, I, vote, I vote stop. Stop wins. Yes. So we actually had a disagreement about this ability. We did. Uh, uh, a, a terrible judge disagreement. True judge cast uh, disagree style disagreement. So too. we solved it in the normal way that you solve these things. You talk about it, and then whoever has the most levels just wins. What? 
<laughs> I have the internet on my side. So, so the next ability is parlay, or if you're CJ, parlee. Parlee. But that's not how they said it in Pirates of the Caribbean. So parlay. <laughs> parlay. On demand. Parlay. Isn't that also like a, in a, a RuPaul song? Sachet, parlay, working girl. I don't know. That's a different word, parlay. P-A-R-L-A-Y. Is it? To bet or gamble. Oddly enough, though, they're pronouncing it parlay, but they mean parlee, which is the, uh, you know, a group, a gathering, a discussion or conference. Oh, really? Yeah, so they, they were using the wrong word. Oh, we're using the wrong word? So wait, CJ's and, right? In pirates. Like, when they were playing Liar's Dice, they were parlaying but when they were having that big meeting and then that rock star showed up who i forgot now and played his father that was a parlee hmm. hmm anyway this stupid card whatever it does this can't be right anyway okay continue we'll have nerd fight after yeah i will not get distracted looking it up okay so parlay parlee. let's give you an example rousing of souls <laughs> rousing of souls um uh, it costs three mana it's two and a white it's a sorcery and it has the ability parlay. <laughs> each player reveals the top card of his or her library. For each non-land card revealed this way, you put a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Then each player draws a card. So basically, everybody gets together. You do a thing based on whatever everybody got together and did. <laughs> and I think all of them say draw a card. Yeah, they all say draw a card. They all have uh, you reveal the top card. And they all may work off a non-land card revealed. I'm not 100% on that. So basically, everybody reveals the top card. Uh, so these cards are more effective slash more fun uh, with more players. So this is th this ability is definitely geared towards commander uh, and also multiplayer drafting. Right. Um, but there's really not much else to say about it. This, this, everything with this ability says what it does on the card. It's very straightforward. So I also randomly saw that Morbid is in this set, but we don't need to talk about Morbid because it's just another ability word and all the cards with Morbid's say exactly what they do dun, dun, dun. Besides, i mean it wasn't even what two years ago we had morbid like we're good hey we know I think it was less than that we know what morbid's all about so here's where we get weird though here's where we get weird get funky uh there are cards in this set that affect how you draft and uh, everyone was upset about double face cards yet they love these <laughs> i don't know the difference but okay um so an example, I'll just read one here. Cogwork Librarian uh, it says draft Cogwork Librarian face up. And it means exactly that. When you draft the card, you just set it down face up, uh, I guess, next to your pile of... of Did you say Cogwork? Cogwork. Okay. Cogwork. Work. I don't know. Luckily, it's not recorded, so no one will ever know what I said. As you draft a card, you may draft an additional card from that booster pack. If you do, put Cogwork Librarian into that booster pack. So that's what Cogwork Librarian does, but let's talk about these guys a little bit. Uh, if they say to draft them face up, it's just like this one. Some of them ask you to reveal the card as you draft it, and basically that means something else will happen either when you draft it or uh, or maybe you'll take, need to take note of something. Um, oh, and then some of them have you note something. So it'll be like, there's a guy later, uh, you know. Note what round you pick him in yeah. or something note like that. how many cards you've picked so yeah. far, things there like that. They're all artifact creatures, or they're all artifacts too, so you're not revealing what color you're picking, you're drafting, or anything like that. That's interesting. I was I was trying to I was wondering why they were all artifacts. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just figured so they could go in there in any deck, so you wouldn't be hesitant to draft them. Well that's another that's another re I mean that's probably the main reason, but yeah. the additional advantage is you're not giving away any information right. of what colors you're doing. I think it's mostly because like 
a four mana hill giant that also does a thing is almost good enough to pick right if nothing else good is in the pack and they didn't want these guys to go like super late because oh it's not in my color right or super early because it is so so let's say it's later in the draft and i have two cogwork librarians face up yes what do I get? What what happens there? Can I can I pick three cards out of the pack, or if I pick two, do both go back, or what? Yeah, so that's how Cogwork Librarian works, right? You take a card, um, you get to take two cards from the pack and put the Librarian back in. So if you have two Cogwork Librarians, you could take three cards from the pack and put two Cogwork Librarians back in. Uh, it's actually a, it's a really interesting card. Yeah. From a draft perspective, um, to jump back just a little bit though. If you have to note something, that information is public to all players. So uh, people get to know, I don't know, what uh, many cards you draft to this turn. Or there's one that has you draft, uh, write down the uh, next card you draft and note its name. Yeah. Things like this that. This is uh, one of the rare circumstances where you can take notes during the draft. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess so. Well, it's casual, right? I yeah. mean, if if we're there's not going to be a GP top eight where it's like, conspiracy, surprise format change, guys. We're doing conspiracy draft. Yeah. Uh, so there's no there's no concept of priority or anything like that during a draft, obviously. So if two players have an effect they want to do at the same time, just do it randomly. So, you know, it could happen where they're both like, I'm taking this card, I'm taking this card. Well, I want to do mine. I don't know why you'd want to do one before the other. But uh, maybe well, you, you would. Wanted, well, the, the problem comes not from trying to do it at the same time, but from trying to wait for the other guy to go first. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember how the the rule to handle this for uh, Innistrad when, they were, when we were dealing with double face cards? It was something like the person going something something like going clockwise, the person with the fewest number of chairs between them and the other person has to draft, has to break the stalemate. Ah. No, I did not know I'd that. I never and heard then, that. And then if they were equidistance, the lower the lower seat number. That's Yeah. That's this funny. was it was uh yeah. Never came up. So but, when when you're drafting this with your friends, it's probably a really, really, really good idea to zone draft for these reasons. Like you have all these weird cards affecting the draft. Zone drafting is always a good idea. Always zone drafting. It honestly is you're always not, a good idea. You're not zone drafting, you're doing it wrong. So zone drafting is where if you, say you take a pick, you put the pack to your left, then you take a pick from another card or another pack, you do not put that down until the person to your left takes the pile that you put down previously. So you don't have a bunch of pile up there. It, it keeps everyone from... Uh, yeah, you you have, you have three zones. You have to your left, to your right, and your hand. And you can never have two two packs in the same zone so yeah so if you have a if you have a pack in the zone to your left and you go to put it there the pack in your hand there nope you got to hold on to it right. until that disappears and that just makes everything go that much easier so nice so someone grab this next guy and also we'll be referencing him quite a few times because he's just an easy one to uh aether searcher yeah all right aether searcher for seven mana <laughs> is a crawl worm for those who were who have were born in the '90s, um, a crawl worm is a six-four creature. I was born in the '80s. I know what a crawl worm is. Shh, you'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> um, reveal Aether Searcher as you draft it. Okay. Um, then reveal the next card you draft and note its name. So when you pick Aether Searcher, you're going to be like, "Hey, I picked an Aether Searcher," and then you're going to put it down in your pile. And then the next, when you get the next pack, you're going to be like, "Hey, I drafted a Canal Dredger." 
Um, when Aether Searcher enters the battlefield, you may search your hand and or library for a card with a name noted as you drafted cards named Aether Searcher. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, if you searched your library this way, shuffle it. You may cast it. So, so one thing to note is the reason why it's kind of this this wording is kind of weird. Like, if you get two Aether Searchers, then you're gonna basically, unless it's like the last pack, you're going the last pick in the last pack. You're going to get another card. Now, you can't exactly know when you start shuffling up like which Aether Searcher got which card. So they just basically say like, ah, any of the cards that you named, uh, you you can go get it. Um, now, if the next card that you draft is a land, um, you don't, the, this card, Aether Searcher specifically says you may cast it, cast the card without paying its mana cost. You don't cast lands, so you play lands. Uh, so if you get a land, eh, sorry, um, you won't be able to play that card because you can't cast it. Um, let's see here, if this last pack, uh, if this is the last pack, or the last pick in a pack, uh, you get to reveal the first pick in your following pack, unless this is the last, the absolute last, in which case, uh, congratulations on having a rare last that long. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, if you get an opponent's, uh, an opponent's ether searcher to enter the battlefield under your control, uh, you'll still only be able to find cards that you named with it, with your own uh, searchers, which you probably don't have any. You might. You might, sure. It's possible. We're going to get real deep into searchers later on with a different card. Yeah, so that's Ether Searcher. Let's look at Junk Troller 2.0. Okay. That's Canal Dredger. Just so, yeah. Canal Dredger, fortunately, does not have dredge. <laughs> um... So Canal Dredger is a four mana artifact. It's an artifact creature. It's type construct. It is a one five. Uh, you draft it face up. So when you draft this card, you draft it face up, uh, show, which means everybody gets to see it. Now, that doesn't mean I have to announce it and hold it up and show everybody. Just draft it face up, put it face up in my pile. Um, and then each player passes the last card from each booster pack to a player who drafted a card named Canal Dredger. So basically, if you have a Canal Dredger, you, you draft it face up, and the last card in this booster pack and any booster packs following uh, go to one of the players who picked a Canal Dredger. Yeah, that's kind of weird, huh? So uh, obviously, as I just indicated, if multiple players have a Canal Dredger, then if I get my last pick, I get to choose who who gets the card. So if I have a Canal Dredger and you have a Canal Dredger, we can keep our cards or we can ship them to each other. Um, so if I get something really, really bad, I could give it to you in the hopes that you'll play it. <laughs> so it's like that old palindrome, a man, a plan, a Canal Dredger. That's, that's, not, oh. that's not a palindrome. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's Panama. A man, a plan, a Canal oh. Panama. That's, I like, that's palindrome. A palindrome would be like, you know, Reg, Dirt, Lanak, Canal Dredger. That's a real good palindrome. Wow. You just did that. Good job, man. <laughs> um, what else about this card? Um, not much other than if you, you know, with like with everything else, if you get the chance to draft multiple cards at a time, you do it one at a time. Yeah, and that matters because of cards like Cogwork Grinder. So he's a bro. You draft him face up as all these cards. Um, it says, as you draft a card, you may remove it from the draft face down. I almost, my heart skipped a beat. I almost thought it said remove from the game. Uh, it's close. It's very close. 
Cogwork Grinder enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of cards you removed from the draft with cards named Cogwork Grinder. Luckily, this is the only card that can remove cards from the draft, so you don't have to like keep track of Cogwork Grinders removed from the draft cards and then Cogwork Blenders removed from the draft cards. What about Cogwork Microwave? No, none of them. No Cogwork tro- Toaster? Nothing. All right, so... Uh, his main ability here is the as you draft a card, you may remove it from the draft face down. You are still drafting that card. So if it has effects that matter on being drafted, they still matter. Um, are all these draft cards based? No, some of them are common. I was about to say, are they all rare? No. Uh, so you could have a situation where you draft a card, like say the Cogwork Librarian. You draft it face up, but you want to remove it. So you're, then you're actually going to put it back face down and uh, remove it from the pool and in and, and that specific case you would not be able to use the cogwork librarian but some things um say you drafted an aether searcher you would reveal it you would reveal the next card you draft and note its name and then you would remove it if that's what you chose to do for some reason but you would still have that noted name in case you ever got a second aether searcher a bunch of weirdness like that no no something something that's kind of kind of interesting about and I say interesting about Cogwork Grinder is most of these cards, these artifact creature constructs, they actually have some value. I mean, maybe not, they're not the best card, but they have some value outside of a draft. Like uh, Canal Dredger is functionally a better uh, junk troller. You know, Ether Searcher is an expensive crawl worm, but I mean, it's still a crawl worm. Uh, uh, Cogwork Librarian is a 3 3 for 4 mana. But this thing is a 6 mana 0 0. <laughs> there is no value in it whatsoever uh, outside of a draft. Bleh. So, so you... what you're telling me is that I should take all these cards that affect drafts and draft and with them, take them together with Command Tower, and build a legacy deck that just <laughs> does as much nothing as possible. Well, there's, yeah. also, there's also that wonderful rare land that. Well, I don't even know if it's on this list of things to talk about that only produces colored mana if you draft it. No, it's not even in there. No, it's There's not. There's no reason. That, that, yeah, it's that just another is. Will of the Council card. Um, what do you mean? No, it's not a Will. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. It, has nothing, it does nothing, though. Nothing. So this is why I mentioned that why it's important that you draft the cards one by one because with Cogwork Grinder, for every, <laughs> if, say you're getting all those last picks, you could uh, remove them all from the, from the uh, draft, excuse me, face down if you wanted to. There's kind of neat little interactions like that. So when you remove these cards face down, they are removed from your pool. You can't like sideboard them in later. You can't interact with them in any way. You may or may not be able to wish for them. I'm going to go with no, though, because they're face down. But I just like the fact I like the fact that you can burn those those crap picks. Yeah. You know, we're just like, ah, there's nothing in this pack for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm our grinders bigger. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Speaking of pretty cool, someone talk about this next weirdo. Deal broker? Yeah. Got it. Deal broker for three mana is a two three creature. You draft you draft deal broker face up. Immediately after the draft, uh, you may reveal a card, or immediately after the draft, you may reveal a card in your card pool. Each other player may offer you one card in his or her card pool in exchange. You may accept any one offer, and we'll talk about that. But it has the ability of uh, tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So it's a looter for three mana, and it's a two-three. So it's actually got a pretty nice ability. That's pretty nice, yeah. Um, but um, so this is after the draft is over, you can hold up. It's like, hey, I sniped this really awesome card. 
you know, I hate drafted this card. What do you guys give me for it? Um, uh, let's see here. And, and people can be like, and they can make one offer. They can look through their pools and say like, well, I hate drafted this really awesome black card. Yeah. And this is before what? you, you get split into your pods too. So it's not like, you know, it could be that you guys just both win out from this. You never, you'll never even play each other. Yeah. Um, let's see here. If one of the exchange cards had some information noted on it, that information comes along with the card as part of the exchange. Yeah. So, and, and that goes into what you were saying earlier, right? That you can't really tell which drafted card had um, whatever information. So Whatever named with it, yeah. So you just get it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it gets even weirder. <laughs> That's what I put. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this verbatim so I don't have to think about it. Okay. If an opponent drafted Searcher and named Bear Cub, then drafted Searcher named Grizzly Bears, and you drafted Searcher and named Glory Seeker, then exchanged one of your cards with one of their Searchers, you are now able to search up all three of these powerful two twos. The opponents can still search up a Bear Cub and Grizzly Bear. You gain all of the noted names and they lose none. Yeah, it's it's a bit of weirdness. I. That involves four know. rares. <laughs> I don't even know what I just read. The point next, is, next. Takes, taking the card out of their pool doesn't remove their choices that they made, that they noted. Okay. okay. No, the point is that, that this card is good. It's it's a good deal. <laughs> it's a good deal. Such a good deal is broken. Mm. Mm. Deal broker? Get it? Anyway. No, yeah, I absolutely got it. So the next card is Lore Seeker, which is another awesome construct. Uh, uh to two mana, two, two. It's a bear. Reveal Lore Seeker as you draft it. After you draft Lore Seeker, you may add a booster pack to the draft. Your next pick is from that booster pack. Pass it to the next player, and it's drafted this draft round. Yeah. So what? This is like, what was it, Ashdod's coupon on yeah. crack? Um, basically, so here there are two things about this. First of all, you have to supply the additional booster pack, or more accurately, um, you're supposed to supply the additional booster pack. So, so if you're playing at a store, it might be a good idea to ask ahead of time. If somebody drafts a lore seeker, where does the booster pack come from? Because the store might be supplying it, and they might not. Yeah, I probably think in not. General, they're going to want you to pay for that pack. Yeah, I mean, they might. I've I've heard stores being like, oh, well, we'll off, we'll have like a little stack of ten packs Homeland. to choose from. No. It's... <laughs> So that's Whatever the other thing. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy booster pack. Yeah. It could be a Who's Homelands this? booster pack or a Scars and Mirrodin booster pack. Alliances. Uh, which one? Which is Homelands an eight an eight card pack or yeah. alliance? Yeah, that's really yeah. that's a real bummer for the guy to your whatever the opposite side would be. Uh, he, he has no choice in the matter. He just gets that card, and you ain't wheeling so, anything. So. Here, here's a, an interesting thing. I love this from the FAQ. I love this sentence. It says, if you use um, Agents of Acquisition, which is a card we haven't gotten to yet, but Agents of Acquisition to draft a booster pack. That, uh, Agents of Acquisition is a card that lets you draft the entire pack. Um, draft a booster pack containing Warseeker, and you wish to add a booster pack to the draft. Uh, first, each remaining card from the Lore Seeker booster pack. So that means you're going to pick everything out of that pack, including the Lore Seeker. Then open the new booster pack. You may look at the cards in that pack, but you can't draft any cards from it. You will pass the booster pack as normal. And then my favorite, the, the thing that makes this whole line worth reading in the FAQ, that was very generous of you. <laughs> so basically, 
you just give a whole pack to the guy next to you if you decide to draft a lore seeker uh, um, and add a pack with an agent of acquisitions. Yeah, and that's because the agent of acquisitions it lets you take the whole pack, but you have to sit that that draft round out. Um, actually, I think draft round matters in this very next card. But the, the concept of a draft round is normally what we would call a pack. So pack one, pack two, pack three. Generally, those are the draft rounds. But yeah, that card makes you sit the entire draft round out. So you just added a pack, but you're unable to take a pick from it. It's very generous. Lurking automaton. Oh, hold on. One one more thing with this. People no. are gonna get a weird number. They're gonna get a weird number of cards with this. Yeah, you okay. are. Okay. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be not even, but there's other cards that result in this too, like when you steal everyone else's last pick and stuff like that. So that's okay. That's yeah. fine. This is why it's casual. Yes. This would not be this would not work as it's, it's weird because people don't put this in the same place as plane chase but that's where it is that's it is the summer product like I, I don't know why people are treating it like it's anything more than plane chase nobody was like how do i sanction a plane chase eponym like it doesn't happen that's because nobody really likes plane chase i love plane chase this, and it's not designed to be drafted right like this is actually designed to be drafted which makes people think that it's a sanctionable format. i want to draft deny a plane yeah yeah Gonna, Come on, man. Hey, you CJ could, you and could, I. You could draft a pretty sweet, like, black deck with Plane Chase. Hold on, Chase. CJ? Yes? I think, do we have five levels against Jess's three? I mean, yes. he just did say this is how things are decided on JudgeCast. Yes, finally. I win. Do I need to bring a guest on just for this? <laughs> well, all, wait, the system is still just two out of three wins. Like, nothing changes. <laughs> there's, there's right, no, right, but it's funnier no to say it's Judge hosts. <laughs> you may you may add an additional host to the podcast. There's none of that. Yeah. All right, lurking automaton. So you reveal them as you draft it, and note how many cards you've drafted this draft round, including lurking automaton. And lurking automaton enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the highest number you noted for cards naming lurking automaton. Uh, so once again, like all the cards that work like this, if you draft a lurking automaton third pick in one pack and then six pick and in a later pack both lurking automatons in your deck would be six sixes when they enter because they just both look at the highest number and like i already mentioned a draft round is basically a pack um, although how many cards you pick in that turn could be very odd like if this was somebody's if you had that earlier guy that let you have all the last picks and this was somebody's last pick like i said if you take them one by one you could take him last so he would be like your yeah 20 second pick or something this guy's a common too yeah right so there's gonna be a few of them out there yeah he's he's a he's a strategy i think like and uh if you get agent of acquisitions where you get to draft the whole pack like you get a pack with a lurking automaton in it yeah you go agent of acquisition i'm gonna draft everything but lurking automaton and it's your your 14 14 or 15 15 format a five mana dude yeah yeah that sounds like and then and then and then no one else is going to let you get in the lurking automaton for the rest of forever no no all right let's dive into the the namesake of the set conspiracies conspiracies there's no f and m there's no f and m (laughs) so this is a new card type uh so now when your friends are being pedantic about the rules and they're like you got one more beyond tribal to call them on for not saying it's a type Oh, yes. uh, oh, and plane and scheme. Oh, oh Termagoyne <laughs> just got that much better. Wait, oh. no. Mm. So, like we mentioned earlier, this is illegal in every sanctioned constructed format ever, including and not limited to EDH. Uh, the reason is, so conspiracies, they have no mana cost, they have no color, they have no 
nothing. They just have some text. They are almost exactly like an emblem, to be honest. Um, you draft them like normal. So they'll, they'll be in the packs. My understanding is they replace basic lands. But they do not go into your deck. So you still need to have 40 cards. You couldn't have 40 conspiracies as a legal deck. You have to have 40 cards. They do not go into your deck at all. And what happens instead is you start the game with a... With, if it's a basic conspiracy, you start the game with it face up in your command zone. Uh, you do not have to play every conspiracy you have, but I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, okay, actually, I know why you wouldn't for the one we're about to read. Uh, they're all... Face up unless they have the hidden agenda ability, which we will talk about in a second. Uh, so the one I was about to read is World Knit. It's like I said, no mana cost, nothing like that. It's just a conspiracy. It just exists in the command zone. It can't be targeted. It can't be interacted with. There really isn't much difference between it and an um, emblem. emblem. Yeah, I forgot the word. And you just start the game with it. So World Knit says, and I love World Knit, as long as every card in your card pool started the game in your library or in the command zone, lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So basically this says, as long as you're playing your entire card pool, all your lands tap for all colors of mana. Oh, that Cogwork Grinder just got more valuable. Ding, exactly. He works really well with the Cogwork Grinder because you can still remove a bunch of cards. Um, also works well with drafting a bunch of conspiracies because conspiracies are not in your, you know, they just start in the command zone so that it's fine not to have them in the pool. Do you, do you know, I just realized that the conspiracy symbol is a seal going around a scroll. I noticed it was a scroll, but to me, it always looked like a watch. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. It looked like a like a wristwatch. I see it now, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, hidden, yeah, conspiracies. Hidden agendas. Tell us about them. Okay. So hidden agendas are uh, basically you start the game they start the game face down in the command zone, unlike normal conspiracies that start face up. Um, they have you name a card secretly. And it was one of these questions, of, well, how do we name the card? Sticky notes, yeah. pieces of paper, something. Come on, guys. You'll figure it out. Just figure it out. It's not hard. But you, okay. have, you have to name it before the game starts. Like. Yeah, so stick a piece of paper. Now, different conspir- different uh, hidden agendas face down you will name cards and they don't share name card i mean you can name the same card but you don't get to like use the same piece of paper for both or you know flip your hidden agenda over and then go into your deck box and pull out you know oh i just i had this card named here let me go and pull it out of my big pile of hidden agenda name token things no it's the name that goes with the hidden agenda uh it is a special action, so you can do it whenever you have priority. It does not use the stack. So it's like Morph. It is. This is a lot like Morph. It's just like Morph, only it's just like Morph emblems. It's Mighty Morphin Emblem time. Yes. It's Morphin time. <laughs> Jeez. That's, that's the worst. Um, okay, so... Yeah, there you go. There's hidden agenda. Yeah, the, yeah. like Morph, you have to reveal them when the game now, is over. Now, one other thing about conspiracies, um, these, since these replace basic lands, if you think about it, there's people who are like, oh, grumble, grumble. I'm getting, you know, uh, packs of cards. I'm buying packs of cards that, that have a card that I can't use in it. What, what's this? 
it's replacing it's replacing a basic land so you're still getting 14 playable cards even if you don't draft this or or, or play a conspiracy powered cube or anything like that that being said a lot of the reveal lies you drafted are rares yeah. So. Ah. yeah but don't you get you get from a conspiracy standpoint it replaces the land so you can get a rare replacing the land you can get your regular pack rare and then you can get a foil so you can actually get three foils out of a pack it's like innistrad yeah yeah yeah, you can get three cards out of three foil, uh, three rares out of a pack that you can't play with. That sure is an advantageous proclamation you just made. What? <laughs> you yes. can get three foils. All right. It's a, so it's a conspiracy. The segue, notwithstanding, <laughs> the next card is advantageous proclamation. Uh, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, so you start the game with this face down, just like, or face up rather, in your command zone, just like most of the rest of the conspiracies. Uh, but this card says your minimum deck size is reduced by five. So you could play 35 cards instead of 40. If you have more than one of these, it continues to reduce it by five. And this is an uncommon conspiracy, so it's possible to have maybe even three or four of these. Yeah. So I, I imagine this conspiracy is going to go pretty high. It seems pretty good. Uh, uh, a lot of newer players underestimate this, but reducing your deck size increases your deck consistency so much. Right. Yes. Uh, now, what's interesting about this one is there's another one we weren't going to talk about, but I'll talk about it real quick. Is it lets you draw an opening hand of seven and then another opening hand of seven, and you get to pick which one you keep. But let's say you get really greedy and you get your deck size down to like 10, and then you oh. also have that card. Well, since you tried to drew on an empty library, you would lose the first time state-based actions are checked in your upkeep. Yeah, this is this also, is that crazy you thing. Way too greedy. <laughs> yeah, this 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 rule only comes up. Let's let's so the, this this rule only co comes up if you're playing Karn, and you've done something to like exile your whole almost your whole library, and then the game gets restarted, and when you go to draw your seven cards, you draw less. That's like the only other time that that rule could really conceivably come up, right? Doesn't Karn put the exiled cards back in your library? Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, you can't even get it to happen there. You would have uh, to. There was something. You would have to have exiled all those cards with Karn. Oh, that's what it was. That's, that's one way to was. do it. Yes, if you've had if you've had all of those cards exiled, it, but that would be almost impossible. No, even then, know. it still gets it gets still gets shuffled back in. But the permanents don't. So if the deck was mostly permanents. Oh yeah, I suppose I, if it, all you, of your cards are non-aura permanents, yes. you do that, it would work. Yes. <laughs> all right let's talk about double yeah stroke. i did say that it was unlikely to occur so double stroke is another hidden agenda um it reads whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with the chosen name obviously you chose the name before the game started you may copy it you may choose new targets for the copy uh, the main reason i wanted to point out this card was that it really shows the timing issue you have here you still have to flip this face up when you have priority. So what I mean by that is you need to do this before you cast that instant or sorcery spell if you want this to trigger. Um, otherwise, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, beyond that, it's all the basic stuff about copying a spell. If the copy was kicked, that is also copied. If it's this and that, and targets are copied, except you can change them. And X is the same when you copy a, a, a spell on the stack. All those things. All right, guys. So that's, that's conspiracies and the draft face-up cards. Those are the really unique things. Uh, there were a few other cards that are just kind of in the set that are worth discussing. Yay. All right. So now we're into real cards. <laughs> By real cards, I mean things that you can play without that, that do things outside of drafts. Yeah. Um, all right. So the first one we're going to talk about is Dax Duplicate. 
And by Dax, I mean Dax Faden, not Dax from... Uh, Jadzia um, Dax. Yes, not Jadzia Dax. Or Curzon Dax. Or Ezra Dax. <laughs> okay, Ezra. I'm tapping out. You got me. I Ezra, can't go back. Ezra I, Dax. Ezra Dax? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Because Jadzia Dax left the show to be on um, Cheers Guys, Ted Danson's show, uh, Becker, I think. Uh, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> it was. It was. It really was. Yeah. All right. So, so, uh, so I guess we're calling her Esri. Dax's duplicate is okay. Esri. Yeah. Okay. So for two, two, a blue and a red, you get a zero zero. It's a great mm-hmm. deal. Great deal. I mean, we were just complaining about that draft guy. That's a zero zero. Oh wait, there's an ability. Um, it says you may have uh, uh, Esri Dax enter the battlefield <laughs> as a copy of any creature on the battlefield that contains a trill. Boy. <laughs> Uh, as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it gains haste and dethrone. Ooh. Ooh. So, uh, if you have a bear cub, your bear cub, and you copy it, um, it is going. Dax's duplicate is going to have both haste and dethrone. Now, if later you're playing in your cube or whatever, and you play a clone, and you clone uh, Ezri Dax. Uh, you are going to get a hasty dethronable bear cub. Why? Because yeah, because when you copy a creature, you take into account other copy effects, and because of this copy effect, the copy effect is what's giving it haste and dethrone. It applies in that layer. For more information, go listen to episode <laughs> where we discuss it's named, copy effects. Do you copy? I do remember that. Yes. Um. Let's see here. The other neat thing is this doesn't target. Well, so sure. you will make the choice on resolution and you can copy things with uh, 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 Shroud and Hexproof and protection from trills. Protection from trill? Protection from trills. I just want protection from prill. Yes, I was waiting for that. <laughs> uh, this next card's stupid. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Okay. All right, you know what I'll talk about. Grinzo's rebuttal. So it puts a 4-4 red ogre creature token onto the battlefield. Starting with you, each player chooses an artifact, a creature, and, and a land from among the permanents controlled by the player to his or her left. Destroy each permanent chosen this way. Uh, so the choices there, they are made in turn order. So starting with me, I would make my decision, then whoever's to my left, and so on and so forth. But everything gets destroyed at the same time. It matters for certain death triggers. Maybe a, maybe a morbid guy I haven't noticed yet. Uh, since the ogre token comes out first before we start doing the choosing and destroying, the person to your right could technically destroy your ogre, which is really depressing because you paid six mana for this spell and it's a sorcery. So I don't even know what's going on. So uh, this card's weird. Anyway, <laughs> next card. Weird. Yeah, I, yeah. So, uh, how do you pronounce the name of this card? Marchesa? Marchesa? I would say Marchesa. Cheesy March? Uh, The Black Rose. Yes. This is a legendary creature human wizard. The best kind of legendary creature. You can cast it frequently off of Cavern of Souls. Um, And it shares a type of Snapcaster Mage. So, it costs one blue, black, red. So, one uber. And it has Dethrone. And other creatures you control have Dethrone. Good. And whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. And those of you that are that are combo savvy out there will immediately notice this works really well with undying. It works well forever. Yeah. Can we call this ability rethrone? Sure. Uh, it, or game game of dethrones. Game of dethrones. Game of dethrones. 
sure. Game of Thrones. Um, I'm almost caught up on that. I hope nothing bad happens in episode eight. <laughs> sure doesn't. Based on my Facebook, sure doesn't seem like it, it's going to happen. I, I try so hard to avoid spoilers because I've been reading it, but I'm not as far as the series is. I, I've really been avoiding it, but I still get, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in episode eight, but I know something's going to happen in episode eight. Like, like, and I'll just, I'll be at work and people will be outside my office and they'll just be like, oh, hey, so-and-so, did you see Game of Thrones? Oh my God, such and such happened. I'm yeah. like, guys, take that conversation away from my office. <laughs> You're the worst. Um... So anyway, anyway. Uh, she can return herself if she has a plus one plus one counter. That's pretty cool. Unlike all of the Game of Thrones characters. <laughs> well, so far. Oh, I have read the book, so I can't say anything. Stop. Oh. Stop. Oh. <laughs> uh, if you gain control of an opponent's creature and that creature dies with a counter on it, you still get it back under your control. So even though it's your, your opponent owns it, it's going to go to their graveyard and then it's going to come back under your control. Which is pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Because now it's yours forever. 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 Brian, talk about Savala. I hate this card. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ma- mainly mainly because the uh, the rules nerds that like to do, uh, like to poke at like handling illegal actions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Eh, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be their field day. And it's like, come on, guys. Really? Okay, so it has the ability parlay. Parley. Parlay. Parley over here. All right, so for one green or one, a green and a white, it is a 2-4 legendary creature elf scout. Salvala Explorer Return. The ability parlay. Parley. Tap. Each player uh, reveals the top card of his or her library. For each non-land card revealed this way, add green to your mana pool and you gain one life, then each player draws a card. Now, here's the weird thing about the, there's there's a few there's a few weird things going on. First off, this is a mana ability. That seems impossible. Okay, re, re, there's there's <laughs> so much okay. junk going so, on in it. So let's so let's talk about what a mana ability is. It's if it active if it's activated, it can't add mana to your mana pool. It doesn't have targets, and it's not a planeswalker ability. I won't talk about triggered mana abilities, sure. but so that's all the stuff. So we look through, and there's there's no target. Uh, it can add mana to its mana your mana pool. Great if it resolves, and it's not a planeswalker. So. <sighs> It's a mana ability. With a now, sigh. Yeah. Now, what this means is, okay, during the steps of casting a spell, you know, you announce your spell, you declare your targets, you determine the total cost. Now you get to activate mana abilities. Oh, so you activate this guy to, to see the mana abilities, and everybody flips over a land card. You get no mana. You needed that mana to cast the spell. OMG, what happens? Oh, and by the way, everyone just drew a card. <laughs> so the way the rules say is this is what this is what we call uh, in the judge world a CR rewind. Okay, you still if if for whatever reason you're playing this card in a competitive event, you still need to call a judge over, and they're gonna deal with what happens. But the game is going to rewind. Uh, and you're going to untap everything, and you're going to do all this stuff. However, if a cards were moved from the library to another zone, you get to keep them. Okay, so everybody gets to, even though the mana ability is rewound, you get to keep the cards that you drew. Now, the other weird thing 
is you don't actually get to see what, because you did it during casting of a spell, it says, and this is the chromatic sphere rule, I'm doing air quotes because I'm mad, you don't get to look at the card until the spell's done resolving or at the end of the rewind, so you don't actually get to look at the card um, until the until you're done casting the spell uh, that you were activating the mana ability for. So, yes, you can have fun, and I'm doing air quotes again around the word fun, with this card and cause rules headaches and stuff like that. Or you can just tap it before you go to cast the spell, see how much mana you get, and then use it to cast the spell. No. Yes. Silly. So when you do the rewind, I just want to be clear. Let's assume this happens. Uh, When you do the rewind, you're untapping the payment as well? Or do they just have the mana in their pool, or, or yes, what are you doing? This with that? is so. This is uh, okay. So one seventeen dot or seven seventeen dot one. If a player realizes that he or she can't legally take an action after starting to do so, the entire action is reversed, and any payments already made are canceled. Okay, no abilities, no abilities trigger, and no effects apply as a result of the undone actions. If the actions were casting the spell, the spells return to the zone it came from. You may also reverse any legal mana abilities activated while making the illegal play, uh, unless the mana abilities from a triggered mana blah 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 triggered. Players may not reverse actions that moved cards to a library, moved cards from a library to any zone other than the stack, or cause the library to be shuffled. So you cannot reverse the card draw. So, but that doesn't, exp- so are we, the question I really have is, are we untapping the the, the yeah. creature here? Yes. So what if I try to cast a spell and I didn't get enough mana for it, we rewind it, what's to keep me from just trying to cast the spell again and repeating this process until I get enough mana? Or until you draw a card you want. I got nothing. I don't know. This card's weird. And I'm glad it's... I gotta think I gotta think it's gotta be eroded or something like that. I, it hasn't been yet. I really thought it would have been eroded. I thought it would have come out. You get the, like, the lion's eye diamond treatment? Yep, I honestly thought it would. But yeah, I think that's all we can say on that guy. Girl, lady right now. Elf Scout. Uh, let's talk about the last card. Realm Seekers. Realm Seekers enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the total number of cards in all player hands. All players' hands. Uh, the other ability doesn't really matter. So if you're casting this spell, everyone knows first step casting a spell is to take it from your hand, put it on the stack. Uh, obviously, then by the time it actually enters the battlefield, it will no longer have been in your hand, so it doesn't count itself. But let's say you have a five-card hand, including it, and an effect um, lets you put a card from your hand onto the battlefield. Well, in that case, you know before the effect resolved, Realm Seekers is in your hand. After it resolves, it's on the battlefield. So if it's entering the battlefield, it will still see itself as in your hand, and it would count itself. So it would enter with five counters in that very specific situation. Uh, there's another guy like this, too, who um, he he comes in with uh, plus one, plus one counters equal to the number of creatures in all graveyards. If you were to reanimate him, he would count himself in the graveyard as well. He's pretty, he's pretty cool. Anything else, guys, card-wise? Nope. No. All right, cool. Don't sound so dejected. No, I'm just reading this this Savala and getting mad. Oh, okay, good. Well, yeah, we we had plenty of time for that before. Like she got spoiled pretty early, and I was yeah, like, I, and I was like, she will be eroded. Right. I'm and sure. And then my point about that though, right? And then the FAQs came out today, and she wasn't, and now and then I got mad. Yeah, the FAQ is pretty clear that she's like she is a man ability too, and I'm like, uh, okay. Here's a hey, crazy rule. Tell me if this breaks anything. Mana abilities can't make you draw a card. Uh, Doesn't that just fix a bunch of issues? Like, 
Do we... From that ability makes you draw a card, you draw the card after... I mean, I if you know. really want to have fun, talk about what happens when you cast this, or when you use this to cast uh, Pangalacial Worm. Uh, then you While have... searching your library? Yeah. Stop. Yeah. This is not... This is... This is not corner case cast. <laughs> yeah. It is today. No. Hey, hey, we got new L3s. What? So many. <laughs> I know. It's uh, like a, it's like a whole basketball team. It is. Uh, we have Maria Zuyeva from Ukraine. Is that correct? She has three different she, name badges. I'm she's from sure. all over the place, yeah. man. Uh, we have CJ Crooks from Florida. Florida, That's yes. a big deal. I got mistaken yes. for him multiple times. Yes, that was what was it that uh, people were saying? Oh, congratulations, CJ! I love you on Judge Cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guy was walking by, and he well, okay, this is actually a different story. Some guy was walking by though, and um, and he stares at me for a second, and he's like, "Are you the CJ Schrader?" And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, "Big fan of your work," which I assumed <laughs> was Judge Cast, but <laughs> it could be it could be uh, those cat photos. That yeah. You- my fancy cat. Fancy. I don't know. The way you said big fan of your work, it sounded a little slightly like a threat. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Big fan of your work. Big fan. Uh, we also have the um, cavalcade of mispronounced names about to happen. I'm sorry, oh. rest of the world. Dustin DeLue from the Netherlands. Uh, we have Carlos Rangon from uh, Brazil. And also Rafael de Zvaldi from Brazil. <laughs> So it's not so bad when CJ CJ is known for mispronouncing things, so it's yeah. not so bad when he mangles your names. Sorry, guys. I mean, I can pronounce Spanish really well, but this is Portuguese, so that must be the problem. Yes. Yes. I mean, all right. I can pronounce congratulations, congratulations, folks. Spanish muy bien. All right. Uh, I think it's time for our own will of the council. Do uh, we do we do emails? And keep in mind, this would be like the third time in a row we've skipped them. Yeah, we need to do. We need to. Do all right. Emails. Emails. I went through and paired, paired them down a bunch anyway. Uh, so we got a couple of questions about the same topic. So let's just knock them both out at the same time. Uh, they're from Stephen Giangrosso and Tom A. Uh, both basically asking, can you use cheap, clear plastic sleeves in a tournament to sleeve your deck? You know, generally called pity sleeves. Yes, you can use clear sleeves However, big caveat, big glowing neon sign. Um, What is illegal? So clear sleeves are not illegal. What is illegal is marked cards. And cards, sleeves that you can see through. So cards often have like little dings or nicks or imperfections on them. Or even if you're using like older land in with with your deck, um, you can see through imperfections in addition to all the normal markings that can occur normally on uh, just plain old sleeves. So it's actually very, very hard to not have marked cards with clear sleeves. So it is in your best interest to not use them. I agree. Our next one, by the way, we had a ton of emails. And A, thank you to everyone who emails us. But B, we'll never be able to read them all on the air. So a lot of these are ones with uh, very specific information. They're not even rules questions this time around. Um, Either specific information or the best way to get your email right on the air is say something like, I wouldn't mind if this was right on the the air. Because then I'm like, oh, now I feel bad if I just archive this and move on with my life. So that's the secret. Um, this one's from Samuel Clemens. He's appealing to vanity. Yeah. Also works. 
or telling us uh, where the treasure is hidden in like some sort of uh, Dan Brown style uh, mystery. Sure. Might work as well. So I'm Sam Clements. Uh, he's on IRC as GRFTW. Rupug. Oh, ah, I was right as Grufug. <laughs> Grufug? Yeah. <laughs> That makes no sense. Uh, hi, guys. Thank you for your hard work explaining all the things you do. Many years ago, when I was an education major, I'd pick up a trick or two. How to memorize an ordered list in under 10 minutes was one of them. This is useful when not only a list of things need remembered, but a number to correspond with them. The little buzzer in my head went went off when I, uh, when I saw the layers and thought I'd try and contribute my technique. What follows is only Did my... Did you say contribute? Yeah, contribute. Listen, I'm trying, man. This thing, this is a long email. What follows is only my specific example, which may or may not have a couple of PG-13 themes, whatever. Please use your discretion in distributing this. You know what? Wait, do I have to read over this again? I No, no. We're going he, in. He says it's just some racial slurs, that's all. Oh, okay, we're going in then. All okay. the way. I'm joking, I'm the kidding. Text, the technique uses either a rhyme or silly imagery to associate a statement with a numeral. So, uh, to memorize layers one through six in under four minutes. He said, this is just what he's written. I'm just going to read it. One. One is fun, but nothing's more fun than a copy of one. Two in a roll. You change control. Obligatory pastry reference. Visualize a jelly pastry with two fillings that breaks your diet. A dim sum with a double helping of the nasty pork double yolk egg that freaks you out. Anything that makes sense giving away because you mustn't have a double stuff. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. All right. One. All the stuff in parentheses is not part of his. Okay, I'm not not reading that anymore. Uh, One. One is fun. Nothing's more fun than a copy of one. Two in a row. You change control. Three makes an angry X. You change the text. Four smokes the five. Oh, drug reference. He changes the type. Five talks jive. He's okay. That is a little racist, actually. (laughs) He's a different color. Uh, Six abilities on a card. Man, this game is getting hard. (laughs) <laughs> then the five parts of layer seven do by rote memory. <laughs> Wait, if you have to memorize five sub layers by memory, why can't you just memorize all the layers by memory? Right. Anyway, he says this technique, the technique is to help facilitate, not encourage laziness. The recall is accurate, but not fast until you graduate off the rhyme anyhow. Um, it takes a little longer than four minutes if you want to come up with your own. I know the layers show is already done and in the can as the show sorts say. We do say in the can a lot. I say it all the time. Actually, fact, we did say it before this episode. episode. It's in the can, guys. <laughs> we did say it before yeah. this episode, actually. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I think his real point there is uh, if people are having a difficulty remembering copy control text type color ability power and toughness, which is how I memorized them, uh, these are a way you could do it. But I'm never repeating these again on JudgeCast. I'm I'm a big fan of, of just rote memorization. I also agree with rote memorization. But I also understand that not everything that works for me works for everyone else. I see now you typed might want to skip five in chat before I, <laughs> I could see it. Yes. Um, as soon as I said, as soon as I said, like, ah, oh, there's just some racial slurs. I, I wait. I stopped and was like, wait, I think there might be. Hold on. And then I was like, yep. Might want to skip five. <laughs> All right. So one more uh, where we were just straight asked to read the email. Um, so it's not a lot of discussion on this one, but it's nice. It's a nice email. It's I mean, it's even titled MTG Judges and Their Awesomeness. So it's from Heidi. So this isn't Sitting. just for us. This is for all of you. All of you. Okay, let's do this. My name is Heidi Sitton, and I am a newly certified level one. This past Sunday, barely a week after certification, I head judge slash solo judge my first comp REL event a week after L1 certification. Jeez. Uh, at SCGIQ at my local game store. 
Despite my lack of experience, the event went very well overall. I was very, I was really nervous throughout the whole thing, especially during the tournament announcements, but I managed not to forget the name of the store, though I did forget to collect deck lists and got a lot of positive feedback from the players who attended. I, that's funny. I, I, this is me talking, uh, but I have a hard time remembering which states we had this last weekend. I was like, I was like, congratulations to this guy, the winner of TCG player states. Who knows? My very first event at Channel Fireball, I announced as welcome to this Star City Games event. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've almost announced it an event as a as a Star City event as well. That was not. Yeah. Club myself. All right. I'm hoping you all read this email so that I can give a big thank you to the MTG judge community as a whole, because I never would have been able to handle this event by myself, if not for the help, hard work, and resources provided freely and tirelessly by every other judge I have come in contact with. So many thanks to give out from Brian Bradshaw, the L2 who certified me, and Eric Bayless, the L1 who let me shadow him and help direct my studies before testing, both of whom made themselves available to me during the tournament should I need to call for help. Oh, and she said whom? I know, I love a correct usage of whom. Uh... <laughs> to the judges, Judge Wiki's wealth of information from the IPG flashcards to Judge Cast's podcasts on how to handle your first comp REL event. That is a pretty good episode. The knowledge pool teaching me how to apply the IPG, magic rules tips, and cranial insertion bringing me up to speed on interactions in standard. My Facebook study group, the Judge Apps forums that I now read religiously. All these resources created by judges for free, all for the improvement of the community. It's overwhelming and it's helped me more than I can say, both as I studied for level one and as I continue to learn and prepare for level two. Magic judges are awesome. I'm proud to be one and can only hope to contribute to the community, contribute to the community and help other judges as much as I have been helped. You know, I think if education in the U.S. worked like the judge program, America would be the best educated country on the planet. Thanks again and carry on the good work. That's a, that's a kind email. That is a lot of praise. That is. It is. But... I mean, A, I read it because she asked me to read it. But B, those are some really solid resources she lists in there. And uh, I, I think those are important to get out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not listing them in the show notes, but you'll find them. You go looking for them. Uh, oh, did she mention the annotated IPG? She did not. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm thinking that maybe it just wasn't out when she made level level one. Okay. That's that's my out. Heidi, please please send us an email telling us about how, how much the annotated IPG helped you, even if you didn't actually know it was there. Just just help my ego, please. Uh, all right, last one. But this one has five parts. Jeez. <laughs> all right, it's from... Is this the cat email one? No, it's not. We're not going to read that one. <laughs> that was just a guy asking to see pictures of my cats. It's not like, <laughs> what am I going to read? Oh, here's here's milkshake batting yarn. Oh, here's a uh, battle cat uh, chasing a laser. <laughs> oh, he's a warrior. <laughs> All right, this is from Isaac from his iPad. Oh, actually, he tells me he's from Iowa. Uh, he says, I have questions about what qualifies as sufficient versus insufficient shuffling and what I am allowed to do to my opponent's deck to shuffle at the start of the match. So I think we'll just go through this point by point. Number one. If I mana weave to declump lands and spells and then mass shuffle, rock and shuffle, mass shuffle again, pile shuffle, usually with seven piles to avoid the double, double nickel issue, then mass shuffle, is this okay? What's a rock and shuffle? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of like the Hindu shuffle. <laughs> What's a Hindu shuffle? Is this a it's joke? What my players refer to as the Yu-Gi-Oh shuffle. What's? We should tell you something about it. Is, so what, I kick you and steal your cards? That's the Yu-Gi-Oh shuffle, right? Uh, the shuffle is the part where they're they're shuffling out the door quickly after they do that, um, <laughs> with all their with all their stolen loot. 
Right. Um, okay, so anyway. Lots of racism on Judge Cats today. That's odd. Well, I didn't say there's Yu-Gi-Oh players, man. Well, no, but but if if the Moroccan shuffle likes the Hindu su- shuffle is like the Yu-Gi-Oh shuffle, then that's offensive to Moroccans and Hindus. Hindus. <laughs> oh, you're, you're wow. Right. You're right. I have I apologize. Judge yes. Cats does not does not condone the association of Yu-Gi-Oh players to any race, color, or creed. Or game. Well, the, other except than Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> other than Yu-Gi-Oh. Those guys, no. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, um, you know, we. So here's the real question: If by mash shuffle you mean mash your cards together a bunch of times, you're probably fine. If by mash shuffle you mean mash your cards together once, you know, then no, you're not fine. Is you declumped your lands, moved some cards around, moved some cards around a little bit more, and then piled. First of all, pile shuffling is not shuffling. <laughs> Uh, I've said this many, many times. You have. Please refer to it as pile counting because you're not actually shuffling your cards. It doesn't matter what order they're in. It's possible for a person to know, in fact, easily possible for a person to know what order they are in and then what order they'll end up in because it's it's a mathematical certainty as opposed to shuffling, which is at least somewhat random if you're doing it right. So in this example, uh, this obviously is going to come down to how much you're actually shuffling, but the piling is completely out. I don't care how many times you pile or how many piles you do it in. It doesn't count. So the question is, is the rest of it sufficient? Uh, and that's going to come down to, is it, you know, you, you declump your lands and spells. Why did you declump your lands and spells? If you're shuffling enough, you shouldn't need to. Uh, let me give an example uh, Ricky Hayashi came up with. Uh, let's say you were in a, a, a car race, like a NASCAR race, and there was a type of fuel that was completely illegal. It wasn't allowed to be used, but you were superstitious about it, so you decided to put to fill your car up with this illegal fuel. But it's okay, because you emptied it all out and put legal fuel in the car <laughs> afterwards. What was the point? What was the reason for doing that? What was the, There is no point, uh, except that it makes everybody who's watching you be suspicious and think you're cheating. So if you're shuffling sufficiently, you shouldn't need to declump your lands and spells. If you find that, that you need to declump them, either you're not su- shuffling sufficiently already, or you think that random means evenly distributed, which is not the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I mana weave my lands because I get better draws. That means you're cheating. Mm, yes, you're cheating. Thank <laughs> like you. If, if you find a difference between when you mana weave and you didn't mana weave, that means you're not shuffling enough. So I guess the answer to the question really is, number one, no. If you feel you have to mana weave in order to get good draws, you're not shuffling enough. Uh... Or you feel like mana weaving makes an impact. Yeah, so conveniently that answers like the first three of these, so we'll jump straight to number four. Although sadly, in number three, he references episode number 36. If lapsing abilities is wrong, then I don't want to be right. <laughs> wow. That's like what? our first episode, I think. That's a great name right that there. That is, isn't it? Also, lapsing abilities are so wrong. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, I used to be much more clever with the titles than I am now. This will be the conspiracy episode. <laughs> Uh, number four. So, like, I think most people, I'd rather not offend other people. I might not be like most people. What am I allowed to do to uh, shuffle an opponent's deck at the start of a match? Is there a means of shuffling that sufficiently randomizes a deck without pos- without possibility of damaging cards? What is going too far with this? Yeah, my my answer was just shuffle. You know, don't <laughs> try and don't try and break the cards. You aren't the Hulk. You know, um, shuffling doesn't really damage the cards that are in sleeves if you aren't excessively bending them. So just shuffle, treat treat them like you would treat your cards, 
and everything should be fine. The general point of you getting the, the last shuffle is to mitigate any advantage that your opponent would, like if your opponent only shuffles like the four times and then presents and you pick up and you do a good job of shuffling, then anything that he might have done improperly is is mitigated, goes away. Um, you know, I think you know, magic cards are a lot more um, durable than people give them credit. Well, it's only it's only when you sit there and you flick them for nine hours right. a day every weekend and they get that little crease down the middle if you just stop that your cards will last so much longer stop flicking your cards <laughs> stop you know jess has his pile shuffle thing i i wish i could make flicking your cards usc minor i would do that in a heart <laughs> Uh, his last question, I feel like we've we've covered this too, but he says, I suppose the big question is simply, what is acceptable for randomization and what isn't? And I feel like you guys already covered that. So do you have anything to add? If your cards are random, then it's efficient. If you have any idea about your, your cards, whether that's clumped or not clumped, if you have any idea where your cards might be, it's no longer random. If, if you feel like this comes up all the time when people battle, play Battle of Wits, they want to shuffle the portion they search through. No, it doesn't work because all the cards you've seen, you know, we're in the top half of the library or the bottom half, as the case and may be. It might not even be. It's like, oh, but Judge, I wasn't really paying attention. Hey, well, you, you might have. <laughs> you, you could be lying. Uh, so the, the whole point of shuffling. Now, I've heard I, I think probably uh, realistically, if you had to assign a number to it, I'm thinking six, seven riffle mass shuffles. How many Moroccan shuffles? Uh, nine. Infinite. And what about I, Harlem shakes? Like, uh, do you get one of those? Well, I mean, it depends on how long you go after the hook. Oh, okay. Right? Sure. It's more of a duration thing. Gotcha. Well, if you play 60 card pickup, right, and they all land face down, then that could be just a single shuffle, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Shovel them. So if you're out there and you want to contact us, you can at judgecast at gmail.com. I should mention, we, we reply to every email. We just don't read every email. And sometimes you get bonus cat photos. So Hey, if you ask for a picture of my cats, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Why would I say no? It's uh, and Ter- Terrence and pictures of his cats, too. He did. We had a nice cat exchange. And I see that. He says, in the... to judge cast and judge cats which I think is clever. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast and twitter.com. You can follow us at uh, twitter.com slash judgecast. <laughs> what is this? I see you yelling at me because I replied to the thread also. Oh, you never saw it? <laughs> no, I didn't. Because I, I, send, I, send I sent this photo that was like, how I view dogs. It's Pug, Doberman, Pincher, Labrador, Retriever, Beagle, Dachshund, Husky, and then how I view cats. And it's just all these different cats and just cat, 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 <laughs> cat, 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 whatever. There's no breeds of cats. They're just all jerks. Well, there's like, there's a black cat and then a bunch of other cats. <laughs> that's right. <about> it. <laughs> I think Siamese because they had that song in Lady in the Tramp. Oh, yeah. That's the only other, that's the only real type of cat there is. Everything else is just like the cat equivalent of a mutt. So anyway, I don't know why we're talking about cats instead of wrapping up the show. Uh, you guys have anything non-cat related to add? I do not. All right, great. Do you have anything cat related to add? Nope. All right. Well, I'd like to thank everyone once again for listening. I hope this show was informative and uh, conspiracy full. Con- hey, I'm CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Donks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Frillman. I keep it poisoned, stabbed, shot, hung, stretched, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered.
what is a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? I know the answer to this one. I mean, I'm going to say R, and then there must be something else to this joke. <laughs> It'll, it be the C. Okay, sure. <laughs>